Welcome to another episode of the Big Big Ten Football Show, Big Bets Edition. I'm your host, Danny Mogo, recording for you early this week on Wednesday night. We're about 15 minutes away from Thanksgiving as I hit the record button. So it will be, I will wish you happy Thanksgiving on the air, and I hope you guys enjoy your holiday. But before we get to the turkey, we're going to give you some uh, delicious appetizer, main course, and a dessert with our big, bigger, and biggest bets of the week. Last week, we had our strongest week with nine plays, went six and three, plus five and a half units for the week to put us at 40, 26, and one on the season, plus 20 and a half units and I couldn't let that be my biggest week of the year. This is week 13 in the college football season and I'm giving you 10 plays this week, four big bets, four bigger bets and two biggest bets. Let's start as we always do with our big bets and the first play we're going to have is on Friday, Iowa plus one against Nebraska. For those of you out there who don't believe Adrian Martinez is worth four points, well, he's it's no longer four points. This was four points when Iowa was laying one, when the line had moved. Let me remind you that this is the quarterback who threw for 291 yards against Michigan, 351 yards against Wisconsin last week, These are two top 10 defenses. He is why Nebraska is second only to Ohio State with 8.6 yards per pass in the Big Ten. He is why the Huskers are eighth in plays of 20 plus yards, fifth in plays of 30 plus yards, and third in plays of 60 and 70 plus yards. Yes, I know the naysayers are going to say he's why they lose a lot of close games. This is true. But listen to what I'm going to say now. He's also why they lose a lot of close games. What do you think these scores would be like without Adrian Martinez? They, the idea that they are better off without him as like a given makes me really shake my head and wonder what handicappers, particularly those who have been on the Huskers at times, um, are thinking. Because those numbers that you love, he's the one that produces them. Scott Frost has had three years since Martinez won the starting job as a true freshman to replace him. If they had better options, why aren't they playing before now, before Martinez was injured? I told you about Nebraska's special teams last week, 127th in SP+. Now Iowa is 5th in SP+, special teams, one of the best in the country. So all in all, I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Plus the one point, this is kind of, you know, it's it's the, the team that has something to play for because with a win and a Wisconsin loss on Saturday, they can win the Big Ten West. They can still win the Big Ten. Nebraska literally has nothing to play for or without their starting quarterback who is the the entire offense. So I'm basically taking Iowa here on principle. And truth be told, if Martinez was healthy, I was kind of ready to pounce on Nebraska. But without him, this is a totally different Nebraska team. 
Um, people who wanted him out, you better be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Now, my second play is under Nebraska 20 and a half. And principle isn't the only reason why I like the Hawkeyes, folks. They have a top defense. We're talking number three defense SP+, plus, eighth in points per possession, ninth in scoring in the country, 10th in stop rate, 13th against the pass in total defense. Expect them to make life tough on Logan Smothers, who will be making his first career start. That is his real name, not his poor name. Logan Smothers, freshman quarterback. I debated taking under 41 and a half in this game instead of just Nebraska. But honestly, the fact that what scares me is Iowa's potential to get points both on special teams as well as on defense going up against an inexperienced quarterback. And let me remind you, not only is Martinez their trigger man, but he is Nebraska's leading rusher. And not only will the Huskers be without Martinez, but Frost said most likely not when asked if their best running back, Ramir Johnson, would be available. So don't expect many points from the Huskers against this stout Iowa defense on Black Friday. My third big bet is Maryland laying one and a half going to Rutgers. It seems uh, most of my brethren in the handicapping biz are on Rutgers more so than Maryland. I really don't get it. I did hear somebody say Maryland does nothing well. Okay. I mean, I, I'd love to hear what Rutgers does well. Neither one of these teams has a great defense. Maryland allows six yards per play. Rutgers allows 5.8. And in particular, the weakness of both of these units is their pass defenses. They are tied for worst in the Big Ten at 8.1 yards per pass allowed. Now, the difference is only one of these offenses is set up to take advantage of that. The Terps have one of the better passing offenses in the Big Ten. They're ranked third in the conference and 15th nationally. They average 7.8 yards per attempt. Compared to Rutgers, who's only at 5.7 and 114th in the country in passing offense. Talia Tagavaloa is one of the better passers in, in the Big Ten. They have five-star receiver uh, Rakeem Jarrett. They have their tight end Conquo, who's a playmaker, an emerging com uh, contributor and senior Carlos Carrier, the uh, six-foot-five kid with some size. The uh, Talia has enough weapons here, in my opinion, to send the Terps bowling. Yes, Maryland has had a bunch of ugly losses this season, but all six of them have come against teams ranked in the top 35 by both SB Plus and PFF. And we told you about that last week when we took Michigan, and we said it was ridiculous that Michigan was only 14 and a half because Maryland does not play up to their competition, but that's not a problem this week. They handle business against everyone else. Rutgers, I'll, I'll concede, has the coaching edge with Greg Schiano, but I'll take the better quarterback and the better overall roster. And I'll throw in there that there's whispers that the Scarlet Knights have brought the flu back with them from Happy Valley and are dealing it with it this week. Um, that is why uh, Penn State, that's something Penn State dealt with last week. That's why Sean Clifford had to lead the game because he was dealing with the flu all week. And Rucker still put up a stinker, by the way. But yeah, apparently they did bring the flu back. At least that's what 
some of the whispers are. All right, we got one more big bet before we move on to our bigger bets, and that is under 43.5 in Illinois Northwestern. The team total here for Northwestern is 18.5, right? They're averaging 12.9 points in Big Ten games and have scored more than 14 points just one time since September. Just one time since September. That's right. Over a seven, that's a seven game stretch. One time they've scored more than 14 points. They have the worst offense in the Big Ten per SP, ranked 116th in the country. Um, if you took the 28 units between the offenses and the defenses in the Big Ten, this is the worst. That's how bad they are. They're not cats, folks, they're kittens offensively. And then you go to Illinois, truth be told. They're not much better. They're better, but not by a ton. And I don't think they're going to need 24.5 to cover. And 24.5 is their, uh, I think I gave away one of my bigger bets with that, a little slip up there. That's okay. Uh, 24.5 is their individual team total. You know when the last time Illinois scored more than 24 points? Week 2. Week 2. So we're talking about... Both of these offenses have to be better than they've been since September. And in some case, and in Illinois' case, their second game of the season. All of that adds up to an under on 43.5 for Illinois and Northwestern. So let's move on to our bigger bets and go right to Illinois, laying 6.5 at home against Northwestern. We've already documented it. These are two bad offenses going up against two okay defenses, but in each case, I'm giving Illinois an edge. I think Illinois has a better offense in Northwestern. Illinois has a better defense in Northwestern. And, and that to me, that means they have the better team, and I'm happy laying six and a half points. And what I, to me, the difference maker is the matchup. This is a bad matchup for Northwestern because Illinois at least has an identity on offense. They run behind an experienced offensive line in sophomore Chase Brown and freshman Joshua McCrary. Brown averages 5.7. McCray, uh, excuse me, not, not McCrary. McCray averages 5.1 yards per carry. Brett Bielema has two very effective runners who can do some damage, which they should this Saturday against a Northwestern team that is last in the Big Ten in stopping the run. The Wildcats allow 5.7 yards per pop and are 118th in the country in rushing defense. This is a game where Illinois will be able to play their game, which means the Northwestern offense, which we already talked about, is what has to beat us. I like my odds, hopefully our odds, if you jump on board with me. And let's not forget the special teams. Remember I said I think they have better offense, better defense? Well, they have a way better special teams because Illinois is third in SP Plus special teams compared to 128th for Northwestern and finally still one more point while this game means nothing to either team in terms of bowl contention this is a rivalry game and some might say well you know go go with the underdog but this is one in which the Wildcats have won six straight six straight and Illinois has a better team at home do you want to guess which program might be more excited to get a win on Saturday I think it's the Illini and I think they get that W and win by, you know, maybe 10 to 13 points and cover that spread. Let's stick to 
uh, rivalry games that nobody cares about for 200, Alex. And let's go with the old Oaken Bucket. It's a great name for a rivalry game. Um, Purdue, I'm going to lay the 15. That's right, I'm going to lay the 15 with Purdue against Indiana. The Boilermakers can really sling the football. They're second only to Ohio State in the Big Ten in passing offense. Seventh nationally. Senior Aiden O'Connell, since he's taken over as the main quarterback, he's been very impressive. He's averaging eight yards per pass. He's completing 72.7% of his passes. He's got Bolitnikoff Award finalist David Bell to throw to. They've got four different pass catchers, including their tight end, with at least 40 receptions. This has been, uh, and, and on the other side of the ball, this has been Purdue's best defense we've seen in a year, maybe over a decade. They're 32nd by SP Plus in the top half of the Big Ten in scoring as well as total defense. Not something we're used to seeing from the Boilermakers. For comparison, you know, IU's offense has just two receivers who have hit the 40 reception plateau, two players. Their receiver and their tight end, none are above 44. They're the only two guys to have even 20 receptions. Purdue has six such players. And it's not as if Indiana has this stellar rushing attack to balance things out offensively. No, they need to throw the football because they're not really great at running the ball. They can't really do anything offensively. No team has been worse down the stretch of the season than the Hoosiers, who are the only winless school in conference play. And in the month of November, they've lost all their games by at least 22 points. I expect that to continue, and I expect their offense's struggles to to continue as well, which is why I also like under 17.5 for the Hoosiers. We went under Indiana last week against Minnesota. We're going to do it again this week uh, against Purdue. The Hoosiers are ranked 101st in offensive SP+. They've been even worse in Big Ten play. In conference game, IU is last in scoring, just 10.9 points per game. Last in total offense, last in yards per play, last in yards per pass. Um, They're not much better when it comes to passing offense. They're 13th, 11th in rushing offense, 12th in yards per rush. In eight Big Ten games, the Hoosiers have scored more than 15 points which is what you would need to go over 17 and a half. You would, if you're over 17 and a half, you're over 15. So they've scored more than 15 points just one time in eight Big Ten games. Meanwhile, they've scored a touchdown or less five times. That's more likely. In the month of November, they've averaged just eight points per game. They have not responded well to injuries. They have not responded well to falling short of... Um, expectations this team opened the season ranked in the preseason if there there's no team more than indiana that just wants to end the year and has showed as little fight as the hoosiers have in november true freshman donovan mcculley has completed just 42.7 percent uh, of his passes while walk-on grant gremmel is getting some reps and he's at 50 percent these two guys have basically made their two weapons offensively, Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot, non-existent. Freifogel has six catches for 28 yards in the last three games, and Hendershot, Hendershot is at five catches for 45 yards. This, this is disappointing for one game. This is what they've done in the past three games. Meanwhile, leading rusher Stephen Carr, who, let's be honest, 3.9 yards per carry, not a lot to write home about, but he's the best they have. 
He's missed the past two games. So take the under 17.5 on Indiana comfortably. One more bigger bet before we move on to our two biggest bets. And we're going to go to East Lansing where the Spartans are hosting Penn State. And I'm going to lay one point with the unranked road team at a ranked team in Michigan State. Bottom line, folks, Penn State is the better team. Doesn't matter what the polls say. What does the line tell you? Penn State is the better team. Sean Clifford, who, as I mentioned earlier, um, dealt with the flu last week, caused him to leave the game against Rutgers. He said he was back to normal at practice on Tuesday. Uh, many Nittly Lions had suffered through the flu last week, so they, this team is much healthier this week. They have an elite defense, ranked fifth by SP+, fourth in scoring, number one in the Big Ten, um, and, and points per drive, where they're number two in the Big Ten. They're seventh in stop rate, um, number one in the Big Ten in stop rate, third in the Big Ten in yards per rush. So this is definitely one of the top if not top five defenses, definitely a top 10 defense in the country. They've allowed over 23 points just once this season when Ohio State scored 33 against them. Not only did they hold the Buckeyes to 14 points below their season average, but Ohio State needed a defensive score, a fumble return for a touchdown by defensive lineman about 50 yards to get them over 30 points. Otherwise, it would have been even less. And yeah, you know, Penn State's offense is one-dimensional, 3.2 yards per carry, but they can throw the football and they can move it effectively through the air and they will, led by Sean Clifford and another Blitnikoff Award finalist in Jahan Dotson because they're taking on not a quality defense, but a poor defense in Michigan State, particularly a poor pass defense. I expect the Nittany Lions to slice and dice a Michigan State defense that is last in the country in pass defense, and they were last before they played Ohio State, and right now it's not even close. You know who's 129th? New Mexico State. The Spartans are 33 uh, 33 yards worse, 33.6 yards to be exact, worse than New Mexico State. And you also have to wonder how much the Sparty have left in the tank. This was a team that overachieved, Cracked the top 25. Last week, they were absolutely smashed by the Buckeyes. They are licking their wounds. They are banged up physically. There are potentially numerous players out on both sides of the ball. This team was more banged up than people realized going to the game against Ohio State. And after weeks, weeks of, um, you know, ramping up and and being on, on a path for a playoff spot, now suddenly they have nothing to play for. You know, Penn State's dreams of winning the Big Ten East and winning the conference, that, that was lo- that's long gone. They've dealt with that. They've moved on. Michigan State, this is fresh. This is a fresh wound for the Spartans, and I just don't think this is a good matchup for them to bounce up against. The fact that Penn State could throw against their defense and the fact that this is arguably the best defense that Michigan State has faced this season, I think that they're headed for a yet another L as they drop to 9-3, and three, and I guess that's worth a lot of money these days, a lot more than it used to be. All right, folks, the time has come for our two biggest bets of the week. And we're going to start with the game. That's right. We're going to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we're taking our Wolverines. We've been riding them all year long, and they've been winning for us, haven't they? And, um, you know, the only two times that they didn't cover this year at all was against Rutgers, where they were leading, I believe, 20 to 3 at the half, and against Michigan State, where they had a 13 to 30 to 14 
third quarter lead. So neither time you really felt like, oh my God, I was totally wrong by taking Michigan. That's how good they've been against the spread. And, you know, there are only two teams in the country this year um, are in the top 10 in offensive success rate, which means a drive that ends in a score and defensive stop rate, a drive that ends in a punt turnover or downs. One of those teams is the Georgia Bulldogs, number one in the country. The other team is a team from the Big Ten. And I'm here to tell you, it's not Ohio State. That's right. It's actually Michigan. And I'm also going to tell you, Michigan, you know, I'm not saying they're definitely the better team, but it's a lot closer than this line indicates. As the Wolverines, in my opinion, continue to be undervalued, and they have continued to beat the number on a regular basis, and I believe they're going to beat the number again this week, getting a whopping 8.5 points at home. And let's take a look at this matchup. A lot of this is matchup, folks. As I mentioned, Michigan State was, you know, the worst pass defense in the country. So, obviously, Ohio State tore into them last week. Our bad for not being on that. We didn't play that game at all. We should have been on it. Um, The Buckeyes' least two efficient offensive games per pro football focus came against Penn State and Nebraska. Those just happen to be two of the top three top 20 SP plus defenses that Ohio State has faced this year. Minnesota is the third in week one. So it's funny how that works, right? You play good defenses, you don't look as good. It's a little more challenging. It's a little more difficult. So after thrashing that 138th 138th ranked pass defense, Ohio State this week has to take on a Michigan defense that is eighth in passing, seventh in yards per attempt allowed, eighth in opponent completion percentage, and ninth in opponent passer rating. It's going to be a little bit different. This is a this Michigan pass defense isn't just good, but it's complex, and it can be tough on young quarterbacks. Ryan Day himself uh, talked about that. It's very different than the Don Brown defenses that Ryan Day vowed to hang 100 on a couple years ago when these teams played again. Um, rookie defensive coordinator Mike McDonald uses multiple packages. He uses a lot of pre-snap movement. He tries to disguise coverages. Again, very different than Brown, who basically had one pitch and one velocity. And once once Ohio State's offense had the timing down on that velocity, it was game over. And that's basically, you know, Ohio State single-handedly got Don Brown fired, the defensive coordinator. So I think the base defense that Michigan uses has three safeties on the field a lot, which plays to the team's strengths. To their depth at that position, you know, not just Daxton Hill, but senior Hawkins, who is Brad Hawkins, who has been one of the highest rated safeties in the country. And true freshman Rod Moore has really come on late in the season. He played a big part in shutting down Jahan Dotson uh, of Penn State, who is right up there with Ohio State's stellar wide receivers. So and, and not only does this play to a Michigan strength, but it limits high leverage one on one situations for their cornerbacks. Who it's just a much better fit um, for this team. This scheme is a much better fit for this personnel. A key to this Michigan defense is the elite pass rushing duo of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, two guys who have already reached double digits in sacks. Um, the Wolverines have the highest graded pass rush according to PFF. Now, in all fairness, that's a subjective thing, right? This is PFF grading them. The grades might not be accurate fully. They probably aren't fully accurate. But, you know, they're, they're, it's just, you know, more information than not having. It's better information than having no information. But they also lead in pressure rate 
when they don't blitz at 41.9%. Now that's a subject, this is an objective number, right? This is an objective piece. And how do you fluster Heisman favorite quarterback C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud, while on 16 dropbacks when pressured without blitzing when he played Nebraska, Stroud had a 46 passing grade, again, subjective, but objectively, the offense averaged just 0.77 EPA, expected points added per pass. So they, they did not do well in those scenarios when the opposing team was able to get pressure without blitzing, and literally Michigan is the best at doing that. Okay, and I'm still not sold that OSU's offense is elite, while Michigan's passing offense, while I, I don't think that's elite either, but I do believe it continues to be underrated. They don't have a juggernaut trio like Ohio State. They're not putting up record-setting numbers. They don't have a Heisman candidate quarterback. But over the past four weeks, the Wolverines have seen two different receivers, a running back and a tight end, produce games of 98-plus yards, including two true freshmen in Andrew Anthony. And last week, running back Donovan Edwards both went over 150 yards in their games. Edwards went to 170 as a as a running back, and he was a guy when being he was when he was being recruited, uh, a lot of people were talking about his receiving ability, and he really flashed that last week. Um, they have had a third receiver and a second tight end, also catch uh, two touchdowns in a game during this stretch. So th- th- this is a lot for the Buckeyes defense to cover, especially when you consider the priority is going to have to be stopping Michigan's run. Now, finally, um, last week before. The teams took the field. The line for this game was six and a half. So in my opinion, uh, I don't see why the line should have moved that much. I think they're getting too much credit for walloping Michigan State. Now, you might say, well, what do you mean? Michigan State is a much better team than Maryland. Fine. I agree. But let's not forget that going into the games, we already established that Ohio State's a six and a half point favorite over Michigan. They are a 19 point favorite over Michigan State. They are a, and Michigan is a 14 and a half point favorite against Maryland. This was already established going in. So the fact that, you know, Michigan State is better was baked in. The fact that Ohio State is better, the considered to be better than Michigan, is already baked in to those lines. And yet, Ohio State wins by 49. Michigan wins by 41, and the line just goes through key num- two key numbers, seven and eight, goes from six and a half to eight and a half. I think you got to grab the points, and if you need some Christmas money, I'm telling you, throw a little money line sprinkle, because do not be surprised if Jim Harbaugh finally gets that monkey on his back. Okay, one more big bet this week, and we're going to go from the Big Ten East to the Big Ten West. We're going to go from the game that decides the East to the lowercase game that does, that's going to decide the West. And we're going to lay six and a half points with Wisconsin against Minnesota on the road. These teams are as similar as you will find in the Big Ten, with the difference being the Badgers are just better at what each of them do. In conference games, Minnesota's only attempted 181 passes. Uh, that's less than everybody but Wisconsin who's attempted 171. Both teams need to run the football. I mean need. Minnesota's second in the Big Ten in rushing. Who's number one? Wisconsin. Minnesota's fourth in the Big Ten in stopping the run. Who's number one? 
Wisconsin. And if you throw in them nationally, the gap gets even wider because the Badgers are 10th in the country in rushing, 33rd in yards per carry at 5.03, while Minnesota is just tw- is 23rd in rushing, still pretty good, but just 60th in yards per carry at 4.39. Now the difference in on defense is even starker. Minnesota is 12th at stopping the run, 23rd in yards per carry allowed, 3.49, while Wisconsin is number one in the country in both categories. Number one in both categories. I had to repeat myself. They are allowing just 59.8 rushing yards per game and just 2.01 yards per carry. Now, the difference in the yards per carry allowed between Wisconsin and Minnesota is 1.48 yards. That is bigger than the difference between the Gophers and Temple, who is ranked 109th. This is a real deal, Wisconsin defense. Linebacker Leo Chanel has 92 tackles, 15.5 tackles for a loss, 6.5 sacks in just 9 games. He is as good as any off-ball linebacker in all of college football. We're not talking about edge guys. We're talking about off-ball guys. And the trio of Chanel, Jack Sanborn, Nick Herbig, those three guys have 41.5 tackles for a loss combined. That's amazing. That's whopping. And this is a Minnesota offense that has had some head-scratching efforts this, this season. They had 10 points against Bowling Green. They had 6 points against Illinois when we were on them. Those were both at home. Now they face a defense that is tailor-made for slowing them down. And second only to Georgia in stop rate. During Wisconsin's 7-game winning streak, the only team that has managed to score more than 14 points against them is Nebraska. And say what you want about the Huskers, but their offense is definitely much more diverse and dynamic than Minnesota's is. Offensively, it's been the Braylon Allen show. The true freshman has topped 100 yards in seven games. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's their seven-game winning streak. With 401 yards in the past two weeks alone, he's just getting better. This 17-year-old is just, he's a man among boys. Um... And he's just getting better and stronger as the season goes on. In my opinion, he's looked as good as any back in the country. Since they lost to Michigan, the Badgers have not only won their past seven, but they've covered the spread in five of their past six Big Ten games. The Gophers have lost 16 of the past 17 battles for Paul Bunyan's axe, including 31-0 and 38-17 at home. Their last two times, that's since P.J. Fleck took over, and against Minnesota's top two rivals, Wisconsin and Iowa, P.J. Fleck is a combined 1-8, 0-4 at home, and all four of those home losses by at least 17 points. Honestly, I get the feeling that Kirk Ferenz and Paul Christ, two old-school, Big Ten, you know, no-frills um, type of coaches, I think they get a little extra pleasure in beating P.J. Fleck, and you know what? And Minnesota's been good to us. They were one of our biggest bets last week, and we won. But I'm going to take a little extra pleasure this week if the Gophers go down too. So let's wrap it up. It's been a heck of a season, hasn't it, folks? Um, We've got four big bets for you this week, and I want to give you the number of what we've done. Uh, Big bets, we are 12 and 13, so hoping to improve on that negative half a unit but don't worry it's going to get better 
it will get better. And you've been, if you've been listening to us, you know it'll get better. But those four big, big bets are Maryland minus one and a half, Iowa plus the one against Nebraska. We're also going to double down and go under 20 and a half for Nebraska, as well as under 43 in the Illinois Northwestern game. In terms of our bigger bets, 5-0 and last week, which gets us to 19-10 and on the season and plus 9 units, not too shabby. We got 4 of them also, Penn State minus 1, Illinois minus 6, Purdue minus 15, and another double down with under 17.5 against uh, Indiana in the same game. And then finally... Our biggest bets, which we hit last week, 9-3-1 on the season on our biggest bets for uh, whopping plus 12 units. That's where we've made our most money. We've got Michigan getting 8.5 at home against Ohio State and Wisconsin laying 6.5 in Minnesota. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter. I am Dan the Big Man, B1G Man on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review 10 plays. Hopefully we can have another successful week and finish over 500. And a happy Thanksgiving to you all.